0: I read some time ago in a long series of articles that were put together in a small book about a man who set out to drive across the United States in the 1920s. Hundred years ago, yeah, he had to carry a lot of canned gasoline in his vehicle. It broke down so frequently. It was a true adventure to drive across the United States in the
1: 1920s in right. an internal combustion vehicle. And and it if is, you had it, it tr- is
0: easier to do it in a electric vehicle today then you could actually do it in an electric vehicle today you can't take the shortest route but you can do it
1: once more under the breach dear friends
0: else fill the wall up with our english dead
1: good morning again ladies and gentlemen boys and girls and ex- and welcome back to another exciting second hour of the personal wealth coach As
0: you sound really excited
1: I'm, I'm extremely excited I I am uh, no I think I'm getting that confused with exited I ex- right. I exited a room so I'm extremely exited right that yeah, makes sense yes it's a very exited radio program as well and most people that listen to it stop listening to it at some point probably <laughs> at the end of the program but hopefully at the end of the program but still it's very exiting right yes we have to use our words correctly here absolutely I, well i, um, I have a ahead. few more things to just kind of throw out there as uh talking points um this week uh, the Equifax, which is the credit report reporting firm, just um, came out with their new data on how much credit card debt is out there and so on. And we talked about during the pandemic that credit card levels dropped drastically. We're talking about very large numbers. We Pre-pandemic, December 2019, we had $916 billion on credit card de- cards in the United States. That's a lot. Um, and at the depths of the pandemic, after the stimulus had come out, and this is part of the reason why we didn't see a massive upswing in inflation during the pandemic lockdown periods, is that uh, people were paying off their credit cards. We got down to about $750 billion. That's a big difference. That's like $160 plus uh, billion down from what it had been. Well, we're now back up to 916 billion. That's not inflation adjusted. So inflation has had a hit. People generally are making more money than they did back there. So we're not equal to where we were, but it's an interesting point. We've been looking at the at rates in, or the credit cards uh, balances going up and up and up and up um, basically since February there's not been a month that we didn't go up. December, we had a big up spike. We usually do in Decembers. Something happens in Decembers where people pay money for, I don't know. It has to do with, a, with an overweight man and uh, whether or not he can fit in confined space while flying. It sounds to me like an airline issue that causes people to spend a lot of money in December. But I think it has to do with gifts. I, I don't know. I, Something. I
0: think I think they could
1: miss that. Uh, who who could? About the overweight man in airline flying. Oh, well, I mean, overweight man, he's got to fit in this extremely cramped space to, to get where he's going. Um, if you just think about that for a second, he's, he's wearing a red, but and he has a white beard. And a white beard and generally yes. is flying from place to place, but he's got to be cramped into extremely tight quarters quite regularly during his trip and it, for some reason it causes credit card debt to go up every December. Mm-hmm. Um, well,
0: he says one of his one of his steeds is Charger. Is it? On Charger on I yeah, don't I, don't, one of the, I
1: didn't really I, I think Charger's I think Charger's you, one of his steeds. I think you've added a new reindeer I may have, but but (laughs) there's definitely a charger in there. (laughs) Uh, All that's saying is that we generally get a spike in December. Um, So that number that I'm talking about is December's number for 2019 at 916, 916 billion versus September's number in 2022 of 916. So we're, if you, calculate inflation into it We're likely to be about the same level in December as we were in December three years ago. So that just means that people like credit cards again. That that was my only talking point. And I had to make veiled references to uh, the mythical parts of Christmas there.
0: Good. Yeah. Well, there was a very significant announcement by the, our, our, Actually, my favorite bureau bureaucracy, the Bureau of Economic Analysis.
1: Yes. Um, Self-recognized bureaucrats. That, those are the best kinds of bureaucrats, by the way. If they believe that they're not bureaucrats, those are the worst kind of bureaucrat.
0: Well, there's also a bureau over in the Labor Department that right. is competing with them though, for being bureaucrats. Anyway, yes. um, they reported that in the third quarter, this is, by the way, their first estimate, uh, the economy grew at a 2.6% annualized rate in the United States after technically not growing the previous two quarters. Uh, and I say technically because internally it grew. It was just the, some weird numbers that they use that made it not grow. Anyway, and of course, immediately, there was a chorus of people who said, oh, no, it's, it, it may have be growing at a 26 rate, but don't believe that because it's really not growing at
1: all. And the, another group of people saying the opposite of, no, it's not growing, it's, uh, we're already in a recession, and other people saying, so that was the people that you just said. Then there was the people that say, all those people that said we were about to be in a recession, you're all wrong. And both of those groups are wrong, by the way. So back to you. Well, I
0: was going to say that there were quite a number of people who were very adamant about the fact that the United States was already in recession and it would show up in the GD report gdp report came out and so they're saying the gdp report is wrong of course we're not in a recession though uh could we go into a recession next year probably a 50 percent chance um the majority of economists now think uh, something like 60 percent of economists now think we will have a recession in 2023 which means we probably won't um they they're pretty good at for the next year is the thing, the one thing that has a high probability of not happening. If they ever get up to a 90%, yes, we will be in a recession next year. Then we're probably due for an economic boom, but uh, that's the way things go. But inside of those numbers, there's some really uh, interesting things going on. Investment in residential and commercial structures. Now you have to go to a couple of places to find this decreased 26.4% 26.4% and 15% respectively. Now, it's on an annualized basis again in the in the third quarter. But we had a 14% rise in the value of our exports and a 10% rise in equipment purchases. Whoa, what's going on here? Well, what it boils down to is the price of mortgages. The cost of having a mortgage has gone up so that there are few, fewer buildings being built. Uh, and then you're going to see that probably accelerated. A lot of buildings were under construction. They're going to stay under construction, and they're going to go to completion. As Jake said, we're going to see a lot of completions in houses and other buildings. Uh, starting of new buildings is falling off. Was falling off pretty significantly in the third quarter, and will continue to fall off. I'm confident, uh, but. Those buildings still have to have things in them. If it's a commercial building, people have to buy equipment uh, to make the commercial building pay for itself, make it worth having. If you buy a new house, you're going to want some interesting things in there that Jake was talking about last hour. That they didn't have in the 1940s, like air conditioning and, and uh, refrigerators and nice things like that in microwaves.
1: Yeah. And, and, things and like so
0: people are buying a lot of those.
1: No lead in your paint, things like that. You know, nice things.
0: So there's a lot of money being spent on basically filling out, building out, if you will, the the buildings that are already either under construction or have just been finished. And that is, this is kind of a standard thing we see at uh, when building build when the when the number of buildings being built starts to fall, uh, the there is a temporary surge in the number of things being bought. Interestingly, though, the price of goods, when you look at the numbers buried deep in the GDP report, it includes the PC, the personal consumption um, index, and some other things. The price of goods in the United States is falling. And if you think, Jeff, you're on dope or something because I've seen how expensive things are, just look at the number of sales that are popping up. I am getting hit with advertisements daily for Store-wide sales uh, at hardware stores, at grocery stores, uh, clothing stores,
1: and we've been prices saying are that, coming down. We have been saying this is coming because inventory buildup was part of the reason why we had these negative numbers in GDP mm-hmm. over the last several quarters. We've got a lot of companies that have ordered a lot of goods right at the same time that people are buying less of the goods. So they're having these big, big oversupply of what they need, what they thought they needed. And they have to get rid of it so that they can sell the stuff that people actually are deciding they need now. That means they have to lower prices and do big sales.
0: Now, if you ever decide to get geeky and dig into GDP calculations, there's a really important number buried deep down in there, which is the personal consumption expenditures, the PCE, which rose during the quarter at a net after subtracting inflation, which you remember last quarter was pretty darn high. It was 8 or something percent. If you subtract inflation... The personal consumption expenditures, and that's the stuff we spend buying things that we use up immediately, rose 1.4% in the United States. That is healthy. That is a a good rate. And the Federal Reserve is undoubtedly very happy to see that rate because that rate is consistent with lowering inflation going forward. Uh, The problem is the dollars people were spending have to have, you have to add inflation to that. So they were spending roughly something approaching 9 or 10% more money in the quarter than they spent before, but it was only buying about 1.4% more stuff. Uh, So that's cruising along, and that looks really good until you come to the personal income. Here's where the Federal Reserve is undoubtedly having some angst at this point. Disposable personal income during the quarter was rising at an annual rate of 6% yay, people have more money to spend, the economy will go boom, except for the fact that if that's about the rate of inflation we're seeing at this point. That's not a coincidence. If people have more money to spend and they've already got their savings stocked up, which most people have, they're going to spend more money. And when they spend more money, prices go up. Why? Because the law is supply and demand. So the Federal Reserve, I'm sure, is looking at that 6% increase thinking, we've got to pull that down. Their job like i said last hour and it's important to realize is to slow down our spending as a nation not as individuals they can't do that but as a nation and they're going to do it and they're going to keep raising rates until it happens and why is it going to happen because people are going to stop buying houses people are going to get laid off you're going to, we haven't seen that happen yet but i suspect as we go into 23
1: 2023 we're going to start to see layoffs we're seeing it already in uh, the finance and air quotes around this tech we're seeing people who were in the highest demand over the last three years getting laid off and that's generally how these things start
0: that includes apparently a significant number of very highly paid people at twitter who just got laid off
1: (laughs) yeah they did not get laid off they got fired now <laughs> <laughs> well, we're restructuring well, get was, out of here
0: <laughs> was, well it's a layoff you have to, firing has to be for cause they simply said we're terminating your job that's a layoff so they're and yeah, how do I we suppose. know that? not because of government statistics but because people watching twitter's headquarters noticed a lot of very well-dressed people walking out of the building carrying boxes And well-dressed people don't normally walk out the front door of the building carrying boxes unless they just got laid
1: off. Particularly not the CEO with a security guard on either side of him. Yeah. Uh,
0: So tech layoffs have started with a $44 billion expenditure, which mostly is borrowed money, apparently.
1: uh, I I actually have a very quick statement to make around the whole Twitter thing. And... um, People have talked that, you know, Elon Musk, he doesn't know how he, how is he going to make a profit on this? All of that. Um, I have a weird thought here. Uh Oh, it doesn't have anything other than a strategic viewpoint on it. It's really easy to get conspiracy minded about this. This week, uh, Russia has made not so veiled references to knocking satellites out of space. And um, in, in pretty directly referenced, uh, the former uh, president, now one of the top people in Russia, Medvedev, um, has directly tweeted back and forth with Musk several times in a kind of compat- combative way about Starlink. Okay, so let's take a step back and see what is Elon's, Elon Musk's motivation in buying Twitter. Uh, If you look at what's happening with Facebook, they're running into issues with profitability. If you look at what is the core of Elon Musk's strategy purported from the very beginning, he wants to get into space. He wants to go to Mars. This is his major mission. Tesla is a nice thing that he's doing as well. He wants to go to space. And right now, he is the single person in the world with the most capability of getting into space, and that includes Putin and Biden. He can get people into space if he wants to get people into space. Biden may have to make a deal to make that happen. Uh, Putin probably could get somebody into space at this point, but it's in a failing system with old technology. Okay, Um you're familiar with this book, I'm sure. The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. Yes. It's a great classic sci-fi. has to do with a colony set up on the moon, and the people down on the planet have to keep sending stuff up to the moon to keep them, you know, they're they're not self-sufficient yet. And then eventually they get self-sufficient, and so they start taxing the stuff that's going up to the moon too much. This may sound uh, familiar. They're only taxing on the things that they can't produce on the moon. It it sounds a bit like the Boston Tea Party, only instead of dumping a bunch of tea into the water, the people on the moon just started dropping rocks on the planet, Um, big rocks. And they're a lot harder to stop than they are to throw. And there's not a shortage of big rocks up there. So if you think about this from a perspective of a strategic plan, was $44 billion a good price tag? It's kind of irrelevant. If you look at it from a strategic plan, this is a guy that's likely to be controlling large swaths of space, including asteroids, probably pieces of planets, maybe, maybe large satellites, natural formed rather than human formed. Um, his internet connection speeds may, if he continues on the track that he's on and technology that he's pushing for constant improvements, he may become one of the major suppliers of internet for the planet. And he wants a non-government controlled platform that people can talk on. I don't think he's all that concerned about the profitability of Twitter. I mean, he's going to get ad revenue on it if he wants it, if people are still on it. But I think he's a lot more concerned about the long-term objective of getting into space. And also at some point, governments are going to have to take a step back and recognize that if Elon Musk ever leaves the planet, he could literally control the politics of the planet forever after that because he could throw rocks at us. Um, that's You could go very quickly into conspiracy-minded stuff and say he's planning all that. I'm not saying that. I am saying that the already constructed starships, the number that he's created already, the top portion of these massive rockets that are supposed to have a 30-year life of being able to go up and down into space, he's already got a lot of them, several hundred of those. The number goes from 240 to somewhere around 300 of them. Now, the number of launching mechanisms, the the, the lower stages of the rocket, he's got fewer, fewer of those because the technology is still being tested. Soon as he gets it tested, we, he could have hundreds of things in space that are larger than anything else in space that humans have put up. And owning Twitter doesn't seem like a profitability dream anymore, but rather a platform dream where he can kind of control his own narrative and not be limited by any single country saying, hey, you can't say that. He may eventually be a citizen of space or Mars. And this is, you know, it start, we're starting to sound sci-fi because there's sci-fi about this. But the fact that we have a network of satellites in space that is creating the internet on, or at least a connection to the internet on the planet and the, the reality of the control of, from one corporation, which is controlled by one person of space, is very real. I, I just hope he stays a nice guy. <laughs> That's that's my uh, that's my summation there. People have asked me, "Is it a good price?" And I kind of look at it and say, "Ben Franklin bought a bunch of newspaper companies after Parliament in the United Kingdom lambasted him. He was firmly a royal supporter, firmly a royal supporter, until he went home for a visit and was called in front of Parliament and." chewed out in public for eight hours he went home and bought up a bunch of newspaper companies and that's the reason why the revolution took off because there was a platform from a really wealthy and angry person who was generally very smart so just just you know there's a lot of parallels here um twitter is a lot of newspapers the equivalent of today Just keep that in mind. We don't want to get him angry at any particular government.
0: Well, there is an old saying, never get into an argument with a man who buys his ink by the barrel. And I think in this case,
1: I think that was a Hearst
0: statement. Yeah. Uh, But it was about William Randolph getting into an argument with William Randolph Hearst, which was a bad idea. I think we need to upgrade that. Never get into an argument with a man who bought Twitter.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because the reality is that it is still, the, I, I'm not on Twitter. I haven't been on Twitter. But the reality is it is still a place that is has the largest platform for political speech and other kinds of speech on the planet. So $44 billion doesn't sound like too much to control that. And when it's gone private and he's in control of it, one person, Hearst is back. There you go. Yeah, that was my that was my conspiratorial twist for the day to say that man has a lot of power and he's doing it legally and he's following the rules d- to a great extent. I can complain about is, a lot of stuff about him, but he's do- he's making changes and
0: he's actually. And very responsible with most of it, which is sort of an interesting thing. To think right. about, unless you're unless you're an astronomer. I,
1: I would just caution Congress to never call him in front of them and chew him out for hours at a time unless <laughs> unless they want to repeat what happened with Ben Franklin in Parliament. It's not a good idea.
0: I think they're smart enough now that he owns Twitter to realize that it might be a really bad idea to get on the wrong side of Elon Musk. Most of them are going to realize that pretty quickly.
1: And this is this is the last piece of that. Russia controls the internet in Russia because it controls the source to the internet in Russia. China controls the internet in China because it controls the source. They have servers on the ground in China that can be physically taken away by the government. If they're floating in space and there's many thousands of them and an unlimited number that can keep being made up there because those satellites are not expensive when it comes to satellites in general. Uh, And he's making the price of putting them up in space very low, far lower than the cost to launch something to blow up one of them far lower than the cost to blow one up. So if you're using a million dollar rocket and that's, that is deeply discounted because it costs a lot more than that to get up into orbit, to blow up something that costs, um, $500, you're going to lose money on the round trip. (laughs) And so from a governmental standpoint, keeping Elon Musk on your good side is probably a good idea. And that's without me having a great, I'm not one of the drink the Kool-Aid and follow the Tesla Roddy stuff. I am, I would like at some point to have an electric car, but only when it makes sense for me there.
0: That does make sense. Uh, You know, matter of fact, we've had some discussions here in the office about electric cars recently and there's a parallel, and, I, and I've heard some people say that there's no way in the world that electric cars could be successful, and the government shouldn't be supporting them because there's not enough places to recharge the car. Well, actually, what you need to do if you think that way, and if you think about the fact that driving one across the country would be a real tooth extraction sort of experience because Correct. you're going to hit places where you can't recharge it. Yeah, and it takes a long go time back to charge. Go back and read if you can find them copies of papers newspapers from 100 years ago
1: talking same about thing how, yeah. same thing was being said internal combustion automobile is a fad there's no way it will ever replace a horse a horse can refuel simply by eating grass that
0: is it kind <laughs> of in a nutshell that
1: and and the fact that they
0: were dangerous and to the work on, I, every, there's no road for
1: them and yeah
0: every argument i heard i have heard against electric vehicles and that leads around to the interesting thing, and we've talked about this before: why the XL pipeline got really, really, why the XL pipeline didn't happen, and why we're not building more refineries in the United States. And the chairman of Exxon, the uh, president of Exxon, no, I'm sorry, the CEO of CEO, Exxon stated yeah. it stated it very succinctly. The bottom line to it is probably, and, and I think this is on the conservative side. He he is estimating, and I tend to agree with him that um, the demand for gasoline in the United States will drop by 50% by the end of the decade, which means there will be fewer gas stations, gas pumps, and more electric charging locations. Will we need more uh, generating capacity to to address that? Maybe. You know, I, this is, this I, is I'll throw this thing. in
1: here real quick. We're using less gasoline today than we were three years ago.
0: Yeah, and, and is, the electric... Thing is going to happen folks it's going to happen and, and it's a very simple If you can make all the arguments in the world but it boils down to one thing because I did my research on this once you buy an electric car what is, what is the small one the Tesla 3 the small one that, that yeah. is in the price range of a, an equivalent Toyota right now it's, a, it's, it's closing into the price range rather quickly it costs about somewhere between 16 and 35 cents a mile to drive a gasoline powered car that's a medium car. It costs you very significantly per mile. You can measure the cost in because of maintenance and and gasoline and oil and oil changes and everything else you have to have done to the vehicle. It costs one and a half cents a mile to drive a Tesla three. And as and think about that just a minute, one and a half cents a mile versus. Let's just say, let's say around twenty-five cents a mile. Let's be right in the middle of that range. Well, the I'm IRS
1: talking. has a nice number for it, but what is it? What <laughs> uh, do they say? I don't know what it is this year, but go, you can use twenty-five cents. That's fine. See, the IRS lets, lets say you you're discount driving a, an economy uh, car. Yeah, the IRS yeah, lets you deduct on your mileage, and the United States is not making an effort to um, give you tax cuts that weren't made by congress so the irs is using numbers uh for discounting or deducting from your taxes for business purposes what's your mileage rate do you have that up there yet nope
0: (laughs) for business it's 58.5 cents a mile
1: okay that
0: and charity it's 14 cents and medical moving is 18 cents
1: okay so somewhere in between those so you're probably pretty close with the 25 cents Though on the so business just, end, part of that is because the entirety of the car is right. being, uh, you can choose to take your total number of repairs and add that up or take your mileage and not count any of your repairs.
0: But even at the charity rate of 14 cents per mile, uh, if, if, if it's only costing you one and, a half for, one and a half cents per mile to drive your vehicle. It boils down to very, very, very simple economics. If you could do all your driving for one and a half cents a mile versus 25 to 50 cents, well, let's say 25 to 35 cents a mile, would you choose to continue to drive at 25 to 30 cents a mile? Or would you eventually turn around and say, one and a half cents a mile looks very attractive to me? And it's it's not going to stay, it'll probably stay pretty close to that for some time because it is just a lot cheaper to produce a lot of electricity using natural gas than it is to burn fuel in a motor vehicle. It's just a lot cheaper.
1: And, there's that, uh, and,
0: and, and will we need to expand electric use? Yeah, and, and um, let's,
1: that's not saying it's it's ready right now. I mean, you just said it, it's like pulling teeth to go any long distance in an electric vehicle. It's not ready for play right now. If, if right. those of you that buy electric vehicles right now are on the bleeding edge and you're going to feel it. Uh, there's going to be technology problems. There's going to be refueling problems, all that stuff. But the reality is as soon as the price point changes with technology, it doesn't matter the technology. It tends to replace the cheaper item. I mean, you could say, well, the DVD versus the tape, the tape player. Well, it was better quality. Okay.
0: I read some time ago in a long series of articles that were put together in a small book about a man who set out to drive across the United States in the 1920s mm-hmm. 100 years ago. Yeah. He had to carry a lot of canned gasoline in his vehicle. It broke down so frequently. It was a true adventure to drive across the United States in the
1: 1920s in right. an internal combustion vehicle. And and it if is, you had it tr- it's
0: easier to do it in a electric vehicle today then you could actually do it in an electric vehicle today you can't take the shortest route but you can do it
1: yeah if you had a uh, a gasoline powered tractor for your farm which would increase your ability to get more produce um during the 1920s into the 40s even people were having to order barrels of gasoline to be delivered by train because there was no infrastructure for delivery, you had to show up, and if you didn't have enough gas left from the last delivery, you showed up with your horse and your cart, and you loaded. Mm-hmm. and There were there were people laughing about it. It was part of the joke of the time. Look at these people on the horse and the cart picking up their gasoline from the from the railroad station. This is never going to catch on.
0: And. Jake and I have discussed this before but people have asked me about it if it is going to hurt if it hurts our economy and cause the price of gasoline to go up the cancellation of the XL pipeline XL pipeline was dead before it was cancelled yeah economically it was a dead end why was it a dead end because uh years ago in the last administration we embargoed most oil coming from Venezuela Venezuela exports very heavy, tar-laden oil. We had refineries along the coast of the United States that were capable of processing it, so it was, it was exported to the United States, and we refined it here. Well, with the cutoff of oil from uh, Venezuela and a pandemic that went on in, in 2020, a lot of those refineries shut down because there wasn't any demand for fuel and they didn't have any fuel coming well, in. They, they didn't have any oil coming in. So what they, they did is they converted to you to support fracking.
1: Yeah, they were converted rather than shut down. So they right. went to, to it's the stuff that's coming out of North Dakota and out of Texas from fracking is considered sweet crude, not tar. It's a very different refining process and much easier to do, much less expensive to do.
0: That's what I was going to say. And because they are converted now to reforming, to to the, the fracking fuel, which is light and sweet, the fuel, the oil coming out of Canada, we no longer have the capacity to deal with and don't want to deal with it. It's very expensive to deal with. It's very expensive to get out of the ground. Uh, and, and that's what the XL pipeline was supposed to transport. And so it was economically dead in the water long before it got
1: canceled. I hope it wasn't that's, in the water. That's not where it was supposed to be. That was a
0: metaphorical debt. Oh, oh,
1: okay. Okay. Gotcha.
0: So, a lot of things are changing in our economy and they're going to continue to change. And a lot of us older folks, particularly, don't like to see change, but the change is happening and it's going to continue to happen. And, and, and one of the things that's good in all of this, and, and it tends to be overlooked rather dramatically, is we have a steady growth in the United States of productivity. And basically, our population growth plus our productivity growth is the growth of the country. And we're growing. And we're still growing in both areas. Immigration is most of our population growth right now, which a lot of people don't like, but it is a reality. And that's the way we continue to see a rising standard of living. Uh, We are still plugging along. We're still doing well. And I want to emphasize something, particularly in this time when the market is down and the negativity is overwhelming us in the midterm elections. The United States is a great place to live. We have a great economy. And there is every evidence that investing in the United States economy continues to be one of the smartest things you can do in the world, if not the smartest thing. Despite all the negativity you hear, this is the place to be. This is the place to invest. And I say that with a great deal of experience. I went through the inflation and the recessions and everything else that occurred back then when the Dow was at 1,000. The Dow is a little higher than 1,000 today. Even if we discount inflation, you look at the Dow Jones Industrial Average and you divide it by a 1,000, and that's how much the value of the 30 stocks represented there has grown. Does that mean you should have grown that much? Not necessarily at all. But that gives you – it's a good handle to put on the fact that 40 years ago, the Dow was at a 1,000 when I came on board as first started advising people on where to invest their money, Um uh, We've come a long ways, and we've got a long ways to go. I remember, and we said this before, but I want to say it again. 1987, when the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the stock market crashed in October of 87, it was everybody was scared. And The Return of the Great Depression was a very popular, best-selling book. Uh, there was a conclusion that we were about to slip into the Great Depression. I mean, the, the pessimism was so thick, you could cut it with a knife. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was at 1,335 when John Templeton said it would be at 10,000 by the end of the century, which was only 13 years into the future. It went to, it didn't go to 10, it went to 13,000, as a matter of fact. And it has continued to rise since. There's down periods along the way. You ride through them, but the United States economy is still in phenomenal condition. It is in the best condition of any major economy in the world, bar none. It's continuing to drive forward. And kind of tune out all the negativity uh it's just not whoever wants you to vote for them whoever wants you to buy their paper or click their ads are going to say negative things because they attract your attention we're in a great country at a great time and that's the reality that i wanted to say that's my soapbox
1: cutting edge here but um we uh do actually give customized fiduciary investment advice to people of high net worth. We do this for a living. We manage portfolios um, and we let people know what we're doing and why we're doing it when we do it. I know that's weird. Uh, So if you'd like to contact us off the air, uh, we've got voicemail waiting during the weekend, real live people during the week. You can reach us locally at
0: 254-947-1111
1: or toll-free 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. Uh, you can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com, uh, where you can read our newsletters, sign up for our newsletters, listen to radio programs going back a long way. We've got podcasts up there, too. You can also get the podcast anywhere where podcasts are provided. Uh, you can contact us through the contact form on the webpage or directly through our email addresses, Jeff and Jake at tpwc.com. Until next week, this has been the Personal Wealth Coach.